now and then in church, we have these special Sundays. These special Sundays have these names to them. They're kind of like designated Sundays. For instance, we have something called Scouting Sunday. What do you think we celebrate on Scouting Sunday? Good job. That is not hard. Yeah, right. Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, and sometimes to celebrate, churches will invite the troop to come in, present the colors, maybe serve as ushers or readers, or do something to be visible and participate in worship. There's another Sunday. It's called Native American Ministry Sunday. What do you think we celebrate? The contribution of Native Americans in ministries of church. And so ways that we celebrate We look at culture, we look at dance and poetry and liturgy and incorporate the contributions of Native Americans into our worship experience. We have something really fancy called the Festival of the Christian Home. Any ideas what that might be? It's Mother's Day. I have no idea why they call it that. I'm sure I should know why they call it that. I do not know. It might be a throw to try to make it a little bit more inclusive. They tried. I'm not sure they got there all the way. Because we know that there are men who contribute to Christian homes as well. But do not worry, men. If you're a dad, Father's Day is known to the church as Father's Day. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why. We also have another Sunday. It's one of my favorites. It's called Laity Sunday. Laity Sunday is when the congregation takes over. The staff sit down for a whole Sunday, and the people of the church, the congregation, the laity, they plan, they preach, they sing, they pray, they do everything. And it's wonderful. And it usually happens in October-ish. I'm sure some of you in your minds are like, pick me, I'll do it. We have so much talent in this room. I think Laity Sunday would be amazing. Today is one of our special Sundays. Today is one of those designated days. And the day of today is known as Human Relations Day. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Human Relations Day dovetails with Martin Luther King Day. And it's a time when we think about how we relate to the world. It's a time when we think about our words and our relationships with people that we know and people we do not know. And so it's a nice dovetail. And to celebrate a lot of churches, they ask congregation to think about different questions. A lot of churches say, here are a list of questions I want you to think about for Human Relations Day. Things like, who are your friends? How do you treat your friends? Who's your family and how do you treat your family? Do you listen really well or do you assume you know what they're about to say and shut down? (laughs) Do you offer a listening ear to strangers or how is it that you engage with the world? Do you Think the worst? Do you give people the 
benefit of the doubt or do you just generalize folks? There are all kinds of questions people ask. Another thing churches do to celebrate, they read different words that Martin Luther King has written. So, do you know anything that Martin Luther King has written? Anybody know anything that he has written? It's interactive. I have a dream speech. He wrote it the night before he gave it, which is really impressive. How about letters from a Birmingham jail? Guess where he wrote those? In jail in Birmingham, I know. I also would accept the word sermon. Martin Luther King was a preacher. So do you know how many sermons that he wrote? A lot. Words were important to him. I mention this because one of the most iconic moments of American history is that I have a dream speech. He, in fact, wrote it the night before he gave it, and there he is standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. He was very intentional about where he stood because he wanted to also combine his address with one that happened almost 100 years to the date before. His words were important to him, and he wanted to make sure his words had impact, and he attached it to another set of words and another speech and another address. And we know that history has its eyes on those words. Those are words that people paid attention to at the time he gave that address and then after his death even more so. Words were so important to him that one of the sermons that he wrote right before he died actually became his eulogy. Because Martin Luther King was a preacher, he knew that his I Have a Dream speech, his letters from jail, those weren't the only ones of its kind. There are many others. We just don't always quote them. We don't always have one specific designated Sunday to think about them. We don't highlight them all the time because kind of we're supposed to do that all the time. The addresses, the dreams, the speeches, the proclamations, the songs that I'm thinking about, they're all from scripture. We have dream speeches that are holy. In fact, we have about 20. In scripture, God speaks to people in dreams. And those dreams are written in the Bible. And literally, there are about 20 of them. You may remember one. One is called Jacob's Slatter. It's found in Genesis. Do you remember this? When Jacob goes to sleep and he dreams that he sees angels from God ascending and descending the steps, the ladder going in and out of heaven and earth. It's very powerful. There's another dream where this poor guy, he gets thrown in a pit because of the dreams he has. Because he dreams these beautiful things and then he tells his brothers about him and they put him in the pit. Remember him? His name is Joseph. And the only way Joseph got out of trouble at the end is because he could interpret someone else's dreams. We have dream speeches. You know what else we have in scripture? 
We have letters from jail. Paul was in jail and he wrote letters. And you know what he wrote letters about? Telling us what to say to other people to guide them to the same God of the one who put him in jail. Words are important. We have prophets. We have words of beautiful prophets that people have been repeating for thousands of years. Beautiful speeches and addresses. And I'm going to read one, one of the many right now. This prophet is actually one from Isaiah. And I'm reading selected verses from Isaiah 49. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you people from far away. The Lord called me before I was born, and while I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow, and in his quiver, he hid me away. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity, yet surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward with my God. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. This is actually called the servant song. It's the second servant song to be specific. The first one, believe it or not, it's right before this one. This is the second. And this is a prophetic speech. It's an address to the people. And we know that it's a speech from Isaiah because it has all the things that it's supposed to have of a speech. In scripture, there's actually certain things to format a speech, and this has all of it. The first thing a good speech needs to have is a summons. Pay attention to me. That's what it says. And for Isaiah, he says, listen to me, oh, you people from far away, all the people from the coastlands, you need to listen to me right now. The second thing, a formatted address speech has is a direct quote from God. You have to know that God speaks to you in order to make a speech. And so Isaiah's is, God said to me directly, you are my servant in whom I am glorified. The next thing, God has to call you. And not only does God have to call you, you have to respond and you have to put it in your speech. And so for Isaiah, Isaiah says that God has called me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. 
and in the shadow of his hand he hid me and then made me a polished arrow and in his quiver put me away. And then we know how Isaiah responded to that because he says, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. And yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward is with God. In other words, what this means, God called me to use my words, my mouth, to give words for people who are suffering in injustice. And I'm afraid I haven't done enough because there are still people who have suffered in injustice and unkindness and inequality. And so I must continue to labor for God. Now, this scripture has been interpreted and injustified a lot of theologies. <laughs> and it's been used even for denominational polity and denominational beliefs. And those are good. But I would remind us of one thing in it that we all notice. This scripture, this speech, is not about the destiny of one. It is about the destiny of all. Not a few, not the select, but of all. Because Isaiah is very clear to say, the chosen people of Israel. All the people who call upon the Lord of the Old Testament are called to use their words in the name of God until suffering is no more. It was a certain speech for a certain particular person and group of people at a certain time. And upon that prophet's death, we look back and see how more important they are today than ever. And so, no, we're not on the steps of D.C., and we are not the people of the coastlands. But we are a people hearing this speech for here and now, knowing that our words have impact. The season of Epiphany is about the wise men, the kings, the magi, searching for the Christ child to give them the gifts that brought and so likewise, this season of epiphany is about us searching to see Christ in others so we may offer them the gift of our words. Because a word can change everything. This week, I read the funniest list. I want to read it to you. This is a list of things you should never say unless you think twice and really mean it. Okay, ready? Oh, no, really, it's no trouble at all. <laughs> I love dogs. If you say that to somebody, you never know. I don't know. Oh, we have plenty of room. <laughs> Call me anytime, night or day. I'll be here for you. Is there anything else I can do for you? Oh, I'll try anything once. I would never say that. Oh, please, why don't you just stay for dinner? Oh, don't worry. There's more of that where that came from. Or over my dead body, you'll do that. <laughs> we have to be careful what we say. There's another cute story. It's about a man named Lou Gehrig. Do you know Lou Gehrig? 
Once upon a time, they hired Lou Gehrig to be the face of a cereal. The cereal name was Huskies. Well, guess what? He went and did an interview, and the guy goes, Come on, tell us, Lou Gehrig, what cereal do you eat to give you strength? And you know what he said? Wheaties! A word can change an entire brand. We are called by God giving mouths sharpened to help someone else. And so, to celebrate Human Relations Day, Chapel Roswell, we will write our own address. We will write our own speech. And we will use the format to make it holy. We will have a summons. You can take one and pass it. We are going to have a summons. We have a call. We have a response. And we even have a section of a dream. And you know what else I have? I even have, if you don't want to do a speech, I have a Mad Lib. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who's younger, y'all can just pass these around. You can do a Mad Lib. Now, I encourage you to group up, to be interactive, to talk. So you can talk to the person you came with or talk to somebody next to you that you don't know. And you write a letter, an address, and a speech together. So pass these out, and I'm going to give you a few minutes to do this. I've got Mad Libs. I'm going to put them on these tables. If you are younger, you can run and come grab one. Do you want to? We also have tons of pins if you want to use that. Do you want a Mad Lib?
It was God who first said, tomorrow is today. So you use your words to bring kindness and love and compassion and sympathy and empathy to all those that you meet. So may this address, may this be something for you to work on all year. May this be something that you reflect on so that if there is ever a doubt for a moment that God has called you to something, you may go back to your speech and remind yourself of the power you have in Christ. Let's have a word of prayer. And you can finish your Mad Lib or your work of amazingness at home. We'll have a little word of prayer. Gracious and holy Lord, you are a God of peace. You are a God of words and you are a God of all that we need. So be with us now in these moments and give us guidance and give us freedom. May this next week be designated and made special for you and your service from our hands. May the words we use be symbols of kindness and understanding. And may we respond to whatever is before us with a trust in you unlike any other. And give us more ways to be generous with all of the people and situations and events that may come up. Lord, wherever we find ourselves this week, from D.C. to the coastlands to who knows where, we ask that you help us remember the words that you have given us, that we are yours, and that you have known us and put so much in us that we are prepared for it all. And be with the many people, Lord, that are on our hearts, the ones that have had long-term illnesses and struggles, and those who are anticipating exciting and new adventurous weeks of exploring. May you be with all things in all ways so that all of it is used to help others come to find you. Amen.